Hey, welcome back. Burnout Sports. BurnoutSports.com, the IndyCar show as we get down to the wire here of the 2022 IndyCar season. Uh, crazy to think that there's only three races left. And one comes up this weekend from Gateway down in, well, it's East Illinois, but we'll call it St. Louis. And from NBC Sports, Dylan Welch joins us to preview that and more. Dylan, thanks so much for your time here on the IndyCar show. Yeah, Tony, appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to uh, chatting with you and looking forward to Gateway this weekend. At Dylan underscore Welsh on Twitter if you would like to give him a follow. Hey, before we get into IndyCar, I want to go back a few weeks ago um, to an awesome, let's just call it five to six days at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IRP. You got to run uh, the BC39 again. Talk about how awesome that race is, but damn, those cars look, those midges look so difficult to drive on that track. Yeah, it's a, it's a great event, and and you know the 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 cool part about it is that Doug Bowles and and Roger and everybody at the Speedway um, are behind it one hundred and ten percent. You know, and and I think there was some some concern or worry maybe when when Roger took over what the future of the race was going to be, and and Doug Bowles told everybody in the drivers' meeting, uh, you know, this year that Roger went last year and and couldn't have been more pumped about it and. Uh, and loved it. So I think, think for us that, you know, compete in it and our, and, you know, quite frankly, our fans of that form of the sport uh, to have an endorsement like that from the captain certainly um, was super cool and, and, and something that I think meant a lot to everybody involved. But um, yeah, the track, the track's cool. I mean, you know, it's a purpose built midget track, you know, it's, it was built for midgets um, and it, uh, it races great. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's difficult because, it's tight and the corners are tight, but you know, you still have long enough straightaways to build some, build some speed. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a fun event. And I was, I was glad to be, be able to be a part of it. Didn't have the results I wanted, but certainly, uh, you know, always appreciate a chance to do anything at IMS. Let's talk about the week prior. I mean, you're, you're in Charlotte, so you see a lot of NASCAR stuff as well. You cover IndyCar, you cover it all, uh, including sprint cars. The, the, the double headers, basically when NASCAR and IndyCar come together, we've seen it at the speedway the last two years, on the road course. I personally um, have enjoyed it. I think there is some tweaks that can be made. Is this something that you could see at other racetracks or does it just simply work together because it is the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Well, I think it works well at IMS, you know, mainly because you have the space for it, first of all. I mean, you know, there's there's enough room there to, to keep all those cars and, and you know, to theoretically put them all in garages and, and um, you know, be spread out enough to, to where it's not, you know, everybody's not on top of each other. So I think, I think that's a, that's a big part of what makes it work at the speedway and the track obviously too, you know, is, is great for, for, um, all three divisions, you know, you you include IndyCar and, and the Xfinity series and the cup cars too. So, I mean, I would love to see it, you know, be something that happens at other racetracks. I don't know what other racetracks, you know, um, would be, available to do that or would want to do that. But I think it's a great crossover and a great way um, to just promote other forms of the sport, you know, because I think, I think there's probably people who are just NASCAR fans or just IndyCar fans. And, um, you know, especially for us at NBC, you know, broadcasting, uh, you know, broadcasting all of it. Uh, I think it's a great way for us to kind of promote and showcase um, all different forms of motorsports and all different disciplines. And, and hopefully, uh, encourage some people that maybe don't pay attention to one or the other to, to start watching and, and paying attention to it a little more. So I love it. You know, I, I think the fact that there's only one uh, right now makes it, you know, makes that weekend that much more special at IMS. Um, 
but I think it would be cool, obviously, too, to, to see it somewhere else. Yeah, and I think to your point, you know, this doesn't happen without NBC, you know, with NBC saying, hey, you know, probably I'd call it four or five years ago, really taking the lead in motorsports coverage from uh, IndyCar and NASCAR and bringing those things together. We obviously saw the crossover with Hanch and Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the broadcast. So um, I think NBC has done a great job of that. Um, before we dive into the meat and potatoes of Gateway and the championship, the low-hanging fruit question that always comes out when it comes to IndyCar is can we get more ovals? You know, Kentucky Speedway is kind of sitting there empty. I mean, I know they're hosting like 50,000 Ford trucks right now that don't work. Um, do you feel IndyCar would benefit from another oval? And with that being said, another high a high speed, maybe high banked oval like a Kentucky, like a Michigan, is that something you would like to see uh, these cars run at? Because look, let's face it, I mean, everybody's going to say, well, we don't want another situation like we had in Vegas and we don't want a situation like Pocono. But these are the safest that IndyCar has ever been in, 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 in my entire life, certainly I think ever. Um, and I personally think, yeah, maybe it's time to go back and, and, and dip our toes back into Kentucky and see what can happen down there. Yeah, I mean, I would I would love to see more road courses. I mean, I think – or uh, more ovals, I'm sorry. I think that um, – I think the ones that we have right now, you know, Iowa and Texas and, and obviously this weekend in, in St. Louis are um, are three racetracks that that – put on really good races, you know, Iowa, you know, Iowa a couple weeks ago um, was awesome. And everybody out there, you know, with high V and everything did a great job to promote that and get people in the stands. And I think, I think that's the hardest part is that, um, you know, there's been some hesitation just because they don't know what the crowd turnout is going to be like. And, and um, that's why, you know, the folks at Hy-Vee did a great job to promote it and they got people in the stands and, and the same way at gateway the, the group at worldwide technology raceway, um, you know, Curtis, uh, Francois and Chris Blair do a great job just promoting that race and, and promoting every race that they have there. So I think, I think that's the key is that, you know, if you go back to a place like Kentucky or you go to Milwaukee again, or, you know, Richmond, like they were going to, you know, maybe do, you know, before COVID, I think, I think the key is just promoting it and just getting people in the stands. And, and that, you know, that obviously falls back on the fans too, to show up and, and go to these races to encourage IndyCar that it's worth it going to more ovals. Um, you know, I, I, as a race fan, you know, I always thought, you know, like you said, the two mile tracks, like a Michigan, Michigan or a Fontana were, you know, insanely crazy to watch and fun to watch. Um, you know, whether the drivers want to go back there and run that, I don't know. But so I think, you know, maybe there are, you know, there is another mile and a half, like a Kentucky or something like that, that maybe is a good middle ground to, um, you know, to get them back on more ovals. So I would love it. I mean, you know, as a, as a guy that grew up, in the IRL era that was just strictly ovals yeah. and no road courses. You know, I always, always obviously uh, have enjoyed the oval races. So I, I certainly would like to see them find some more if they can, but I think it's gotta be the right ones. Um, and I think the IndyCar leadership group right now is, you know, is in a good place to kind of make, make good decisions in that regard. Yeah. It's funny you say that we're around the same age and I was, I went back um, to the 07 championship because when I talked to Dixon after Nashville, he, I said, you know, do you go back and do you think about points that you lost at Indy? And he goes, yeah, I, I lost 76 points. So I thought, well, what about that championship that he lost? And I mean, it was, I was a freshman in college in, I think it was September of 07 at Chicagoland when he lost that championship coming off of the third turn. Um, and I went back and watched some of those IRL races and, and you talk about insanity and, and even Fontana back and I believe it was 2015 was pretty nuts. But like you said, that was in front of like 3,000 fans. So you wish that you could clone High V and like take that to maybe like John Menard and say, hey, let's do this in Kentucky. Um, 
that could be another topic for another day, but I'm with you. Being a, Growing up in the IRL era, it was like, man, this, this was exciting. This is what got me hooked on IndyCar outside of just going to the Indianapolis 500. Dylan Walsh joins us here on the IndyCar Show. Burnout Sports, burnoutsports.com. Gateway this weekend, a lot to dive into. Let's start with the championship. Uh, Scott Dixon wins a crazy, another crazy Smashville race. Cuts it to six with Will Power. Joseph Newgarden is still on the hunt, as is Pato Award, Alex Pillow, and even Scott McLaughlin. I think it's a three-horse race between Newgarden, Dixon, and Power. And right now, I'm giving the advantage to Scott Dixon. How many times, Dylan, have we seen him late in a season in a championship charge just get hot and not be able to be touched throughout the last five or six races? 4.2, his average finish in the final three races of his six championship seasons. Who's the front runner for you to win this championship over the final three races? Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because I think you look at all three of those guys and they've kind of had different seasons. You know, Dixon's really until, you know, the last couple of weeks has just kind of been under the radar. You know, they've had problems um, earlier in the weekends that have have buried them deep in the field on Sundays and, and they've been able to recover kind of. But he just, you know, until the last few weeks just hasn't been able to to hadn't been able to get all the way to the front and, and get to victory lane. And um, and even Nashville, you know, last, or, you know, last, uh, last time out, it was, um, I don't want to say they lucked into it because they, they obviously put themselves in position to be in the right place at the right time. But again, they were, they were buried deep in the field and had to go off strategy and do something different and just happened to nail when they pitted and, and a caution came out the next lap and they, they got to the lead. And, and it just kind of seems like that's been, uh, the tail of the tape for them. It's like, you know, they, they, can put themselves in the right position, but they need some luck to go their way too. But, but Dixon's done it enough. And Michael has done it enough that, you know, entire team is you know, they put themselves there by design. A lot of times, you know, it's, it's not all luck. So I think his experience just coming from behind in previous championships, um, you know, certainly will pay dividends for him. And, and they've obviously got some momentum right now, you know, having won, um, you know, having won two of the last, uh, two of the last three, I guess, or three, two of the last four or something like that. So, um, I like him, you know, Will Power is kind of the same way. It's like, you know, they, they've qualified so bad so many times this year that, uh, who knows what the point situation would have been, would be like if they started up front more often, you know, in the, in the beginning part of the year and, and they've, they've just somehow made it happen to and, and gotten good results. And then you look at Joseph, who is just, you know, always kind of the smooth and steady guy that's just always there. We go to Gateway this weekend where he won last year, um, you know, and, and I think he's got, you know, as good a shot as anybody again uh, to win again this weekend and, and you know, kind of upset the apple cart even more. So I kind of lean toward, towards Dixon too, just because he's maybe got the most momentum right now. Um but I think it's going to be exciting. You know, I think, I think, you know, you get through gateway here and then you go to the two West coast finale races um, and it's anybody's ball game. So um, I think this is a big weekend to kind of um, maybe separate some guys from each other heading to the last two races of the year. I, I think it is too. We do a burnout bets show too. And I've been talking all week about how Dixon is three to one to win the championship. He was six and a half to one, two weeks ago, heading into Indy. And that's a number that's only going to get lower because, you know, I think he is going to make a move that it's still going to be bunched. I think New Garden's going to have a great run. I think they're both going to 
um, cut that separation between them and Will Power. All right, take me into the pit reporter. You guys are discussing what you're going to talk about this weekend, and there's a lot, right? You've got the wall of smack at Gateway. That you know the the promotion's been great on that. You know, you obviously had New Garden and and Grosjean down at Nashville, and then. Erickson kind of chimed in. You, you, you kind of wish Gateway was the week after Nashville. Maybe things have calmed down now that it's been two weeks. But but what are some of the storylines for you? And, and it may depend on you know which pits that you are given. But what are some of the storylines for you heading into this week? Because there's a lot of on-track stuff going on, but there is a boat ton of off-track stuff that has been going on in IndyCar throughout this entire summer as well. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, Gateway, you know, sure, everybody's had a week to cool off, but just kind of watching the race back from last year, um, there's plenty of opportunities for guys to, you know, either make mistakes and get into somebody or somebody to make somebody else's life difficult on purpose, you know. So I think that, um, you know, I think those rivalries are, are um, you know, at the forefront probably of, of a lot of people's minds and, you know, ours included, you know, on the NBC telecast. but. Um, I think, it, I think, like I said, I think it's just going to be interesting to see who can avoid, uh, who can avoid problems, you know, because it's so easy, you know, even last year watching the race back, it's like the marbles were such a huge problem for so many guys that just got out of the groove and then they were in the wall and, um, you know, and, and then I think too, you know, you're going to have some guys that, um, aren't even in the championship battle that, that maybe are going to run up front and kind of mix things up too. Like a guy like Takuma Sada, who's always good at gateway. Grosjean was really good last year in his oval debut. He's got a year's worth of experience now. He's with Andretti, of course. Um, I think he's going to be good. He's going to be a threat. Um, and there's other guys, too. Even, you know, like I look at somebody even maybe like a Kyle Kirkwood, who um, the Foyt cars have been really, really good there the last few years. And uh, he was strong at Nashville a couple weeks ago. And um, so I think that I think that's and that's always kind of the, the, the story on the ovals is that um, you know, you get some guys up there, Jimmy Johnson's another one, you get some guys up there who maybe aren't as big of a factor on the road courses, but, but get their act together on the ovals, um, and can realistically take points away, take big points away from the guys who are in this championship battle. So I think keeping your nose clean, not getting into trouble, uh, if you're one of the championship guys is, is, you know, job number one, um, and just kind of managing the day, you know, and, and, you know, don't don't get in trouble just get out of there with a solid day a solid finish and then go to the road courses go to portland and laguna um and you know be in contention and, and get after it out there so um, i think that's what we're watching you know and and uh 260 laps there goes by quick but it's a long race you know there's there's generally some yellows and then some you know some longer green flag runs so i think there's just a lot to kind of kind of digest and, and keep your eye on on saturday night I, I, I couldn't agree more with, with with what you said about it's a lot to digest because, look, you're going to have two practice sessions, which is probably more than you've had for most ovals in a long time outside of, obviously, the Indianapolis 500. And Iowa, you still only had one practice, then you, then you raced twice. Um, like you said, some of those guys that aren't normally contenders, like you said, Foyt's up there, Johnson. I look at maybe some of the Ed Carpenter cars as well. Um we're going to have a, probably a second groove. They're going to try to groove that in coming up on Friday evening. This is still technically a day race, but the but the temperature is going to change. So a lot of factors going into that. Um, with that being said, I know you mentioned Kirkwood. Give me a couple other dark horses that you are looking for to maybe that haven't had a good season to say this is an opportunity to maybe even roll the dice. I mean, Jack Harvey comes to mind, a guy that just hasn't had a good season 
Um, but anybody that you, in particular that you're looking at to say, hey, it's kind of been a, for lack of a better term, a crap season, but this is a chance to to get inside of that top five or maybe even battle for a podium. Yeah, I mean, you know, just kind of looking down our our entry list and stuff here, you know, it's, I mean, I think I think the Ray Hall cars, all three of them, Graham, Christian Lungard, and uh, and Jack, um, you know, could could be factors. You know, Harvey ran well there last year. He finally got a top ten. Um, you know, at, uh, at Nashville and, um, you know, they've just, they've had an abysmal year. So I think that, you know, if they can try to channel some of the good mojo from Nashville into, you know, some sort of result this weekend, they'd take that. Graham got taken out on like lap three last year. So we don't really know what he's got, but, um, you know, I think that, I think they are as Ray Hall, Letterman Lanigan, I think they are finally kind of starting to find some answers to some of their problems that they had earlier this year. So I think they can be factors. Um, and then, I mean, even even the Andretti cars, you know, you look at guys like Colton Herta, Alexander Rossi, who were maybe two of the best cars in the race last year, didn't get results to match it. Um, you know, they're obviously threats every weekend. But, you know, I think uh, two other guys that aren't in the championship battle that could be up there, uh, you know, kind of mixing it up as well. And, and Grosjean, you know, we said Grosjean already, but he's he's kind of in the same boat. Um, and, and Jimmy, I mean, I think, you know, as you know, Tony, I mean, anytime we are, we're on an oval and as impressive as he was at Iowa, um, you know, I think you got to look at Jimmy this weekend as a guy that uh, is probably going to be up where up somewhere near the front, um, you know, at some point during the during the race. What have you made of Meyer Shank racing this season? You you obviously add Simon Pagano to the mix, who was a great driver, has that chemistry with Elio Castroneves and and the years that they were teammates. Um, it, it, to me, it's been confusing. You know, Simon ran really well at the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway when it rained. Um, he's he's flirted a bit with the top five since then. I don't know if he's actually broken through for a top five finish. Um, is this one of those things where it takes about a year to get that chemistry down to contend for wins? Has it been a disappointing season? Has it been a learning curve for the team? They just re-signed Elio for, I believe, two more years. Um I just expected a little bit more out of this team in, in 2022. Yeah, I did too, quite frankly. I mean, and I think I think a lot of us did, you know, Simon probably included, but he's he's admitted, you know, and he's he's hasn't shied away from the fact that it has been um, you know, it has been a transition. You know, there there's things that um, you know, this team does differently than than obviously than Team Penske does. And he's had to adjust. They've had to adjust to what Simon wants in the race car and um they've kind of had, they've also had some things that have gone wrong that maybe shouldn't have, or, or went wrong that, that were uncontrollable, you know, like it, uh, at Nashville last week or two weeks ago, they had a, um, a differential issue that I think kind of dropped them back a little further, maybe than they should have finished at the NDGP, um, you know, or at the, uh, the Brickyard weekend road course race, they ran them out of fuel, um, you know, under green and, and they've had, some, so they've had some other kind of just things that um, you, I, I think you could maybe consider to be growing pains that have dropped them down the, the result sheet further than they should be. But yeah, it's been weird because, you know, they have these bright spots, they have these flashes where, um, you know, they're up front and, and you can see that the car has speed and, and they just haven't been able to finish the deal, you know, nine times out of 10. So um sure they're i'm sure they're all frustrated and sure they all want better and, and want more um you know but something else to keep in mind too you know that team has basically always had jack harvey so they are all learning um you know new drivers and and 
you know, their kind of tendencies too. So I think everybody's learning each other, um, you know, and, and it takes a while to kind of get that all to mesh together and, and, you know, to convert it to results. Talking about meshing things together, you know, we'd be reminiscent to talk about what's going on with Alex Polo, the Errol McLaren situation. Um, I'm high on Pottawa Ward this weekend. 2.3 is his average finish at Gateway. 4.7 is his average finish over his career on Ovals. I mean, I think when you think about Pottawa Ward, you, you, your brain automatically goes to road and street courses for whatever reason, at least mine does. Um, but he has been great on ovals. He obviously won in Iowa, race number two, finished second in race number one. Kudos to him and Felix Rosenquist for kind of just grinding through the outside noise. Obviously, we know Alexander Rossi is going there next year. But then what's going on with Polo? Pato and Felix, and you've seen this, I know you have, seem to be very close friends. Um, let's talk about what to expect this weekend out of Aaron McLaren at a place that Pato has been very good at, Felix has been okay at. And then what your thoughts are on kind of what this whole Pelot situation has done to that team and what it'll do moving forward. Yeah, I think Pato's is, um, you know, has just as good a shot as anybody to win, um, you know, win this weekend. You know, he's he's had success, obviously, you know, one at Texas, uh, you know, first first career win, one at Iowa earlier this year. So he he knows ovals. And, and um, again, just watching the broadcast back, Taylor Kyle mentioned on the broadcast just how big Gateway was for Pato two years ago, so in 2020, um, just kind of as a breakthrough weekend to kind of show the team that he's their guy. So I think that they have a lot of confidence going there, um, you know, with Pato. And Felix obviously has been great this year. You know, he's he's another one that's kind of had some uh, unfortunate things happen that have maybe, you know, taken some better results away from him. But, um, you know, he's been lights out really since this whole kind of contract situation is, has um, you know, come to light. He's he's really stepped it up, and the team has stepped it up for him. And um, you know, I think he's certainly making a, a strong case for him to keep the uh, you know keep that seven car seat or, or whatever you know IndyCar number it's going to be. You know, I think he's he's making a strong case to keep you know a seat in IndyCar. So as far as the Polo thing with them, it's like I don't know, I don't know how it necessarily affects Pato or how it affects Felix because ultimately. Felix knows he's got to ride somewhere, whether it's in Formula E or it's an IndyCar. And all he can do, and that's what he'll tell us, is that, you know, all he can do is just try to do the best he can and, and um, you know, show that he belongs in IndyCar. He wants to be in IndyCar, but ultimately, ultimately, it's not his decision. So I don't know that it's it's a huge distraction for those guys. Um, obviously, I think for the Ganassi group, it's, it's the opposite. I think it has to be a distraction. I think... Um, not even just on the 10 team. I mean, I think for everybody, just that noise and that attention and, and that, you know, kind of negative light that has been cast on the entire organization, I think um, has to be distracting in some way. So um, it's, it's been interesting though. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to believe that it's even happening. Um, yeah. And I'm just as interested in, in everybody else to see kind of how it all shakes out and, and, where Polo ends up. Cause I honestly have no idea. I don't know if anybody does. Yeah, I would agree. With you. And, and, and it's kind of tough as you're talking to an Alex Polo to not bring it up, but then like, I don't want to be the, you, you know, you want to get the question to get it out of the way. It seems like, and then you want to talk about the race. I mean, I just go back to the post race at Nashville inside of the, uh, in, in, in inside of that press conference. And he was just kind of getting baited and baited and baited and baited about it. Um, let's just say that Pelot is 
gone. Let's say he goes to Formula E or goes to Arrow. Basically, he's out of that 10 car next year. Would you look at maybe a David Malukas as somebody to fill that in? Um, just give me your opinion. I know none of us know because, hell, somebody could come from Europe and bring the money. Um, but you look at some of these young guns. We know Kyle Kirkwood's going to go to Andretti Autosport next year. Uh, Christian Lungard has been wrapped up at Ray Hall for the next two years, which is great. He's had some awesome results as of late. But I think David Malukas is a guy that has proven this year that he's ready to move up. And then when we say that, there's a lot of talent in Indy Lights right now, too, ready to move up and make that next jump. Yeah, there is. I mean, there's a lot of of good young guys that um, you know that are ready to to you know step into the spotlight and, and shine. You know, Malukas has been um, has been amazing this year. I don't know that you know, and we talk we talk about this on our on our conference calls. You know, during the week, it's like I think everybody expected Kirkwood to be the guy, uh, you know, amongst the rookies. Um, and I think people probably expected Lungard to be decent too, because of, you know, how well he performed in his, uh, you know, his debut last year at the Indy road course. But I think Kirkwood was still a guy that everybody thought was going to be, you know, the runaway rookie of the year. And yeah. it's kind of been the opposite, right? He's wrecked a lot. He, you know, has shown speed, but um, you know, again, just hasn't been able to get the finishes to, to go along with that. And, Malukas has just burst onto the scene and I know the team is really high on him and really, um, you know, really impressed with him and really likes him. And he's a great kid. You know, he's just, um, you know, he's a fun interview. He's, he's excited about everything and just, you know, loves being in the position that he's in. Um, you know, Lungard too, obviously has, has always been impressive, but, um, you know, now, you know, lately has, has, like you said, gotten some really good results. So, um, and then, yeah, there's plenty of guys in, in lights that, um, you know, and that always happens, right? You know, there's always guys in lights that come up and, and, you know, fill some of these seats. So obviously Kirkwood's car is going to be vacated. Um, does one of the lights guys go into the tent? I don't know. You know, I, I think, I, I think that's, it's interesting. You know, there's obviously a lot more guys that want seats or, or, you know, deserve seats than there are seats available. So, um, somebody's going to get, you know, something, but, um, yeah. It's hard to say. It's hard to say because I don't know. I don't know what Polo is going to do next year. I don't know where he's going to go or where he's going to be. So I think. I think there is though. There's a lot of guys that um, would certainly be fighting to try and get any seat that's available next year. Yeah, it seems like there's 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 a lot of talent out there ready to go, but not as many cars to uh, field that talent. And you know, I mean, kudos to a guy like Matty Brabham who has gone back to Indy Lights, kind of get his feet wet in that to try to get back to IndyCar. Um, you can check him out on the Loud Pedal Podcast, Dylan Wells. She is with NBC. He will be at Gateway this weekend. A pretty exciting weekend at Gateway because we get a little Silver Crown action coming up on Friday night. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I uh, Friday's going to be a long day, so I'm hoping that um, I'm not wore out enough to to want to go back to the hotel, and I'd, I'd like to stay and watch the, the Silver Crown race. So, um, yeah, it's always always crazy, those cars around that racetrack. It's a it's a different type of race and a different, you know, type of car, obviously, than what we'll see, uh, you know, most of the day on Friday. But they always put on a great race at those big tracks. And um, they go from there to, to Springfield on Saturday for another, you know, another dirt mile race. So uh, busy weekend for those guys. I don't think you're eligible, but I do play the NBC predictor app uh, for all the IndyCar races. And um, I would have bought you a beer in Iowa. I nailed, I nailed it. So I got everyone right except it was for race two and I nailed everything on race one. I had Joseph winning. I had everything. And I was like, Oh, I think I just won like a certain amount of money. And then I looked and it was for the next day. And it was sitting pretty. Ugh. 
and then Potter ends up winning. So um, be sure to check that out, NBC Sports, IndyCar coverage as well. Race this weekend is on USA um, and Peacock for practice and qualifying. Give everybody the details on what they can expect uh, throughout the coverage this weekend. Yeah, and, and you nailed it. You know, we're on uh, on USA this weekend right after the Xfinity race from Watkins Glen. So that'll be a nice um, a nice tie-in and, and kind of transition for us as the Xfinity race wraps up. Just keep it right on USA and uh, the IndyCar race will come on. And, and yeah, everything else that's on track, uh, everything that's on track this weekend, um, you know, lights included is, is uh, you know, is on Peacock. So um, looking forward to, to a, the last oval race of the year and, and looking forward to getting back to the Midwest and um, hopefully the weather cooperates with us on Saturday and we'll be able to go the full 260 and um, see what uh, shakes up in the championship. You know, I'm not going to tell anybody how to do their job, okay? But NBC has done a great job of, of stirring the pot literally and figuratively on the drama. Uh, I think Saturday's Open needs to have the Law & Order theme, and it shows Chip <laughs> and Palo and Grosjean and Newgarden and Devlin and Sato and just have this whole big thing because uh, obviously that's uh, what a lot of people go to USA for as well is to see Law & Order. So uh, enjoy the weekend. I will see you out there. A lot of racing action. You've got Indy Lights. You've got Silver Crown, as mentioned. Um, IndyCar race coming up on Saturday, early evening, late afternoon, however you want to call it. Um, this should be a race that runs predominantly still in the daylight. So um, I'm still begging for more night races when it comes to IndyCar. So drivers and and people like Dylan who are down in the pits uh, in fire suits aren't sweating their asses off um, when we could be running a race at night. But that's for another story. Uh, at another time. Dylan, thanks so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to follow Dylan as well, and uh, we'll see you coming up this weekend. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. All right, Dylan Walsh there. Don't forget, big weekend from Gateway. We will be there. Burnout Bets will have a lot of coverage. We're going to be doing spaces. Uh, Tony D. Indy will have you covered as well. Um, check out burnoutsports.com. I have an article going back to the 2007 IndyCar season. Uh, another championship they got away for Scott Dixon. For Dylan Welsh, I'm Tony Donahue. Thanks, for, thanks to Jared Sparkman as well. Thank you for listening to the IndyCar Show here at Burnout Sports, burnoutsports.com.